let's see, we've got Bible as our compass. If you will get your if get yours out and look at it and you will look at the back, you will see that our that we have several seven things that we live by. And if you look at the second one, you will see that it is it says that the Bible is our compass. And y'all know what a compass is, but maybe some of you don't. If you're if you're younger, you might think you might be thinking of GPSs, because uh, I don't think a lot of the young people even know what a compass is. <laughs> but anyway, a compass is how we find our way around when we're out on the ocean, or even when we're out in the woods. And um, it is the way that we allow ourselves not to get lost. And so when we say that the Bible is our compass, what we're saying is, is that God's Word is going to point the way for us and is going to show us where we should go. And so that's what I get to talk about today. I prayed about this and this is what the Lord gave me was to talk about this. So I'm going to talk about the Bible as a compass and I'm going to talk about some things about the Bible that some of you probably already know about, but maybe some of you haven't heard some of these things. I'm going to talk about the way that we, that we study the Bible, the way that we read the Bible. And Sometimes we just pick it up and open it up to wherever it happens to open up and we just start reading. And that's wonderful. Sometimes we read with devotion and we just let the words minister to us. That's great too. Sometimes we have a real, real tough question and we're looking for answers and we're looking for God to say something to us in his word. And that's good too. And when we have those tough questions, there are ways that we can read God's word that will really, really, really help us out in the right direction. And I'm going to talk about some of those today. We have just started up a podcast. You know, how many of you know what a podcast is? Raise your hand if you know what a podcast is. Some of you do. All right. We have a podcast. And, uh, and on our podcast, we have all of Pastor John's um, messages from the first of the year. They're all there now. And uh, if you'll look at the, at the description of, of the podcast, it says that, that, that our pastor incorporates some of these methods of study and of presentation in order to pres present the word the way he does. And there are actually five different methods that we use, or sub-methods. And um, one of them is, the first one of, there's, there's, there's one called observation. And it's the thing that we do with the word when we first open up the Bible. We have to look and see what we're reading. And you would be amazed at, at how many people open up the Bible and they read a verse and then you say, what did you just read? And you, you wouldn't believe what comes back. And you go, you saw that there? And they said, well, no, I didn't see it there, but it, that's what it did for me. Well, I didn't ask you that. I, what'd you see? And so it's important that we pay really close attention to what we see in God's word. And, and there are ways that we can look at God's word to see things that are, that are tried and proven. And, 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 and learned people use them all the time. And we learn them when we go to school and when we go to college. And when we go to high school even. And um, some of those, those, those ways of observation are the same thing that newspaper people use. And that's who is speaking, what is being said, when was it said, how was it said, and why was it said. 
And that's the, thing, the same thing a, newspaper, a good newspaper reporter will ask. Not necessarily a newspaper reporter today, but, but, but a good one. And, and in the past, that's always been the truth. And we're looking for the truth in God's word. And so we're going to ask those questions. Um, sometimes we'll also look at, at the setting of where whatever the passage is that we're reading is taking place. And we will find out that, that we have a geographical location and we know that because our path, and I love this because I love geography, always have, and nobody teaches geography in schools anymore. You go ask these young people to tell you where Kenya is, and they scratch their heads and they said, um, and they go, uh, is that in Europe? Is that in Russia? And then you finally get them to go, no, it's, it's in Africa. Where is it in Africa? They have no idea, okay? But the geographical location of God's word and where it's being spoken is sometimes very, very important. We saw a pastor give us the example of the upper room being up on Mount Zion and being higher than the temple. And you could look down and you could see the temple. Well, that helps to understand what we're talking about when we're talking about the Last Supper. And it makes a whole lot of difference. Well, that's, that's geographical setting. And then we have chronological setting. When did it take place? How did it take place in the grand scheme of the rest of the Bible? Um, Pastor John again. I love this guy because he's got all these things. He does all this stuff. And uh, he's, got a, he's got a map that he, that he made. It's a, it's, a, it's a timetable. And it's a map of time. And it shows the progression of all of the things that happened in the Old Testament, all the kings of Judah, all the kings of uh, Israel, and it showed when they reigned, and you get an idea of how everything fits into it. Well, that's part of studying the Bible. Uh, political, oh boy, we know all about politics today, don't we? Yeah, uh, politics of the worst kind. And, uh, but there was politics of the worst kind then too. We remember that we had this group called the Sadducees, and we had this group called the Pharisees. The Sadducees were actually a political group. The Pharisees were a religious group, but they acted political. And, uh, and so you have a political setting, and then you have a cultural setting. What was going on with the people that were being spoken to, or the people that were even speaking? And then finally, you have the spiritual setting. And usually, that's the first thing people talk about, is the spiritual side. They, re oh, they open up the Bible, they read it, and then they go, now, what did it say to my heart? And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's usually a ways down the road, you know. You have to ask a few other things first in order to get there, and to get there with a well-rounded understanding. And then finally, in observation, we have something called genre. Genre is, in music, it's real easy. Genre is, you have rock and roll, that's a genre. Classical music is a genre. Um, country and Western music is a genre. Well, you also have it in literature. And, of course, the Bible is literature. And the genres that you can expect to see in the Bible, this is something that we don't really think about very much, but every one of these genres are in the Bible in some place or another. Some of them are, you will find a lot more. Others you'll find eh, here and there. Okay. Uh, first one is, of course, a narrative. A story, and you got stories all over the place, especially in the New Testament, in the in the Gospels. 
This the story of Jesus and, and, and what he did when he was with us. And then you have the law. And of course, the law, where are we going to find that? Those first five books of the Old Testament, which the Jews call the Pentateuch. And, and actually, they call it the Torah, but it's called the Pentateuch, the first five books, Penta. And then we have wisdom literature. And where do we find wisdom literature? Well, it's, it's in the Psalms and in the Proverbs. And in some of the other books, too, marginally. Okay? Then we have prophecy. And, of course, we're all interested in that today because prophecy is where we find eschatology. Eschatology is the study, ology on the end of it, is the study of last things or the end times. And so we find that we're very interested in that today because we see a lot of signs going on in the world that are, that are making our ears perk up because they are spoken of in Scripture in the prophetic sections. And we're saying, you know, the prophetic Scripture says when you see these things happening, then pay attention because the end is near. And so we do that and we're paying attention, and it could very well be that the end is near. Is it for 100% sure? No, we don't know that. We don't know, certainly, when, when Jesus is going to come again. We don't know when there's going to be a rapture. Some of us will say that, will argue that there isn't going to be a rapture. So, nevertheless, though, we do look at those things. Uh, epistles. And epistles are nothing more than letters. Epistle is the Greek word for a letter. And we get letters from Paul and from a few of the others. And Paul sends these letters out to the churches. And of course, we can share in that experience because we get to read those letters too. So we get to see all those things that Paul told the other churches. And those are the word of God. They were determined to be the word of God long, long ago in the second century. And now we look at those letters very carefully. We treat them as God's word and we believe them as God's word. And they have the book of Romans, for example, has so much to tell us. And so we pay attention to that. And then, of course, we have apocalyptic uh, genre. And the apocalyptic genre goes with the prophetic because prophecy is, goes both ways. Prophecy can either be good. It can be just simply foretelling of God, God speaking to us, it's prophecy. Or it could be foretelling where he tells us in advance what's going to happen and he generally does that so that when it happens, we will pay close attention and we will know that it came from him. And that's what, that's what the, the, the prophecy can be looked at as. However, apocalyptic genre or apocalyptic writing is pure, pretty much end time stuff. That's the, the type of writing that you will expect to see about when things are going to close, when things are going to come to an end. Because there's a lot of that writing in, the, in, the, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. People, people don't realize how much of it's in the Old Testament. There's a lot of it there. And, uh, and so apocalyptic writing is also very interesting to a lot of people today, myself included. And then finally... You wouldn't believe this, but there's poetry in the Bible. There's all kinds of it. Um, Hebrew poetry is beautiful if, if, you, if you understand what it's like and, and, and how it's written, and then you go and you read 
for example, some of the Psalms, most of the Psalms, and some of the, the uh, other wisdom literature, and that could be, uh, let's say, the, the Song of Solomon, and some of the other wisdom literature, and I won't tell you what it is, I'll let you go out and find it. Okay, that's going to be your challenge. Because it's all, go out to the internet and just say Bible wisdom literature on Google, and it'll come back and give you all kinds of information about that. Okay? All right, so the next type of study that we see, that was, all, that was all under observation. You look at all that. It's very objective. You look at all of that stuff, and you don't make any, any really real judgments on things like what we're going to talk about next, it's not necessary. It can simply be observed. And the next thing we're going to talk about is interpretation. And interpretation is that big word that everybody likes to say nobody can do. And what you hear so often, I've heard this so many times, and especially by unbelievers who, who really don't have a lot of room to talk because they don't really understand what it is. But nevertheless, they don't, it doesn't stop them from saying it. And, that's they, and what they say is that interpretation is up to the individual. Anybody can interpret anything. Or they'll say, nobody really has the right, right way of interpreting anything. And that is really, really wrong. You can interpret things, and you can interpret things correctly. And there is only one correct way to interpret things. And if you do it right, and if you apply the scientific methods that are laid out and have been laid out for a long time, you will come to a correct way of interpreting things. And so, there is a correct way. And let me take a look at some of the things that fall under the, under the rubric of interpretation. What does it mean? That's that word mean. What does the scripture mean? And when you're thinking of it, you're thinking of what is it said here in the here and now of when the when the person wrote it and what does it imply to us today okay as in, as from an interpretive uh, viewpoint because later on we're going to talk about something else okay um, the next thing that we have is context, contextual study and you heard pastor uh, John say that uh, I said, what is it? Context without text is a con. I think, is that the way you say that? There you go. Okay. And, and it's good. That's a good. It's a good pithy way of saying that, okay? And it gets the message across. Context is so important. Context is probably 60% of how we define things, especially when we're reading. Because when we see something that we don't understand, generally... We will find out what it means by looking at the text that surrounds it. And in most cases, it's usually the text that comes before it. Now, somewhere here I have got, let me see, what did I put those? I've got a great example of this, and I'm going to show it to you here right now. Something that you've heard often, and we say this when people ask us, people, people will say, where do you get off saying, that your Jesus is the only way to God. Don't you realize and understand that there are a lot of ways to God? There are many, many paths to God. And, and, and we answer, and we answer politely, hopefully. We answer, um, well, our, the, the scriptures, the word of God doesn't say that. 
the Word of God makes it very clear that Jesus is the only way to God. And it's done in the book of Acts. And it's done in chapter 4 of the book of Acts. And it's done in verse 12 of chapter 4 of the book of Acts. And what it says there is that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Okay, now I'm sure that all of you are going, wait a minute, there's something basically wrong with that. I don't see anybody named, and that's what the unbeliever is going to say. Who are they talking about? It could be anybody. It could be Buddha. <laughs> okay? And you go, no, it isn't Buddha. And how do you know that? Well, because I study context. I look to find out. I looked at the same thing the first time I ever saw it, and I go, who, who, what, what's going on here? Uh, and the reason why I said that was because somebody pointed it out to me. So rather than go and read the whole passage like I should have, I went through and I looked up the verse 12 and I saw that and I go, uh-oh, there's something wrong there. So I thought, well, maybe I better go and I better read the context. And I did. And I started uh, uh, higher, higher up in the passage and it, in chapter 4, you can go all the way back to verse 1 and you'll get a pretty good understanding. You'll get all this other stuff we've been talking about in addition to, you'll find the answer to your question. And if you come down... To, 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 to. Let, me let me read the whole thing here. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, those political guys, came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus, Jesus, <clears throat> the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John because it was evening and they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to 5,000. 5,000 people believed this. It sounds like Africa when, where Chuck was. But many who heard the message, and I got that already. The next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there. And so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others in the high priest family. They had Peter and, they had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. By what power and by what name do you do this? Uh-oh, I think we're going to get an answer here real quick. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of... This is the same guy, by the way, that denied Jesus three times. Remember him back just not too, not too many days before that had done that? But he's filled with the Holy Spirit now. And all of us, when we pray... Every, I think all of us, when we came up here today, we prayed that the Holy Spirit would fill us. Because I want the Holy Spirit working, giving me these words. I want him to put them into my mind so that I say the words he wants me to hear. And when we were praying in the prayer room earlier, to, to, we were also talking about, we're always doing that, asking the Holy Spirit. And here we find out just what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into somebody like Peter. And, and he says, rulers and elders of the people. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, 
which has become the cornerstone. Y'all know what a corner, cornerstone is. Whenever you build anything, you start someplace, and that someplace is, is, an, is in a corner, and you put the first stone down, that becomes a cornerstone, and everything on that building then is all built from that cornerstone. All of the measurements are taken from the cornerstone, and everything is there. So when he says that Jesus is the cornerstone, he's saying that Jesus is the first of all. That's a pretty strong endorsement of Jesus. And not only that, but it's also a pretty strong indictment of the people who are questioning him. I don't think they liked that at all. I'm sure they didn't. And then, guess what comes next here? That was, by the way, was verse 11 of chapter 4. Now what comes next? Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So that, that puts the capper on it. And that tells you now that Jesus is the only way. And, you, and it didn't say it in the verse. It said it elsewhere, but you had to go find it. Now, this is just one example. It's a great example because it's real easy to see. Sometimes it's not quite as easy to see, but you can still find it because generally what will happen is, is that the verse in question will have a pronoun. You all know what a pronoun is. From, remember from, from English back in high school, pronouns and nouns and adjectives and all that stuff. Well, a pronoun is I, you, he, we, you, they, that kind of stuff. And a pronoun is simply another way of saying a, an individual specific person and generally a pronoun is always used later in context simply to break it up and not have to use the person's name over and over and over again so use pronoun by the way I could go on a rabbit trail about pronouns because it's in the news today but I'm not going to do it <laughs> I'll let you I think you guys some of you know who if you don't know the big controversy about pronouns today in the news go find it and you won't like it Okay, so, uh, I, got, I got five minutes left. Okay, um, I, hey, I could go on all day with this stuff. I mean, I, I was thinking here that I was never, ever, ever going to be able to get, I was going to run out of stuff. I'm, I'm, get, I'm only hitting the first two pages, and I have like 50 pages of stuff here. So <laughs> save it for another day. <laughs> okay, the third one is the third item for, and this, by the way, you, you, all of this you're going to see on our podcast because that's what our pastor does. He does the same thing. He, Saturdays, isn't Saturday your day of preparation? Gen generally, yeah, yeah. That's what he does all day Saturday. He's out there doing all this stuff so he can come and he can talk to us on Sunday morning. And of course, you guys can all do this stuff too when you actually do your studies. Just take, put a little tablet down next to yourself and, and then just write things down from, from these things. Um, I'm just trying to think if I could get this information, make this information available. Let, let me look into that. Maybe I can do that at, at a later time, okay? Okay, the third one is correlation, okay? Correlation. Correlation simply means how does it fit? How does, how does it fit into everything? And... What do you do with correlation? Well, what you do is you see how one piece of scripture fits with another piece of scripture. The one thing we know about the Bible is that it's truth, okay? And because it's truth, it has to be consistent with itself. 
it, it won't contradict itself because contradiction is, in, in, in logic, contradiction is the direct opposite of truth. And so you can't have one thing contradicting another. And if it seems like it does, then you need to look a little more carefully because you will find out that you probably either made a mistake in what you were looking at or there were circumstances going on that you just didn't see. Okay, and so um, you'll find out then the correlation allows us to find out how things fit. And what we have, I think I have some more information here and I got about three more minutes, I'll do it. Okay, I'm only gonna, you know what, I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna give you the verses and let you do it. How's that sound, okay? Matthew, write these down in your notes today, okay? Matthew chapter five, verses 17 through 20. Galatians chapter three, verses 17 through 25. And Hebrews chapter one, Verses 1 and 2. Now, those are three completely separate books of the New Testament. But I challenge you to go and read those three passages straight in a row. Bam, bam, bam. And it will sound to you just like you are reading from the same book. And you will also find out that as you read each one of those, you will get more information about what is being talked about that is introduced in Matthew chapter 5, and then it is expanded on in Galatians chapter 3, and then it is underlined in Hebrews chapter 1. Cool is the way that happens. Now, you have a way of doing that if you have, if you have uh, uh, references in your Bible. Uh, in the margins, you know, you'll see these all these little references that you never pay any attention to. Well, that's what those are for. Okay, those are there to tell you, hey, guess what? There's more information about this over here in Psalms. If you go over and take a look, you'll see it. And sure enough, there it is, okay? Um, let's see. Um, I'm getting close. Uh, da, 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 da. All right. The fourth item is verification. And verification is really simple. Verification keeps you from going out and coming up with heresies. Okay, because I am a great, I'm a great teacher, and I am going to study the Bible, and I'm going to prepare a lesson, and I'm going to do all these things that I just told you about, and when I get all done, I'm going to come up with a whole new theory, whole new, new uh, doctrinal statement, okay, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to tell my, my, my church all about it, and then they're going to go off, and they're going to tell all their friends, and then, but I didn't do something, I didn't check to see if everybody else out there is, is saying anything like this about this passage. I don't have an example for you here, but I would have if I would have had more time. I could have given you one. But um, I'm, I'm going to get out of it that way. But um, you see what I mean? We need to verify. We need to do this simply because we want to find out, is the rest of the world out there, are they saying something entirely different? So we go to things like commentaries. And we look at a commentary, we see how do the expositors who, make, who write a really good commentary called the Expositors Commages by Frank Gabeline, okay, and it's a good one. And you look and see, what did, what did Gabeline? Well, he edited it, but, but uh, he had a team of people that were, that were writing these things, these commentaries. Take a look and see what he said. Then go take a look at what somebody else said, and maybe two or three of them. And you'll notice that there are differences and nuances, and nuances meaning very slight differences, okay? There are differences, but nothing really, really, really major, 
Okay, so you have to go back and say, oh, oh, I think I had the wrong idea. I better go back and read this again. And you do, and you find out that, uh, that uh, you were wrong, and, and now I got it right because I saw where I missed this right here. Okay, And that's how it works. And then finally, the last thing that we have is application. Now, this is a pet peeve of mine, so I'm going to try not to get, get on my horse too much here. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the churches today are skipping the first four of those things that we just talked about, and they're going straight to application. What does the Bible mean to me? Okay, what should I, I, I read God's word, now what shall I do? And that's applying God's word. And there's nothing, that is what we're supposed to do. But we're supposed to do the other stuff first, so that we don't go off in left field somewhere and get all hot and, and, and ready to go down the wrong path, and we shouldn't, okay? And application is doing, is, is, is doing the word once you have read the word and understand the word. And we're supposed to do the word. Faith is made, 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 a, made a present to everybody, made, made, made viewable to everybody by the works that we do. People can see our faith by looking at what we do. So we do want to apply the word. When, when, when Jesus gives us a command, do it. That's, ap that's applying it. And unfortunately, sometimes when you go straight to application, you can, you can get the wrong message or you can get the wrong idea. And you've got to be careful with that. So watch out when people come in and start right in on application and forget everything else. And you won't see that around here. This guy doesn't do that. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm out of time, okay? And um, we had more, but that's okay. Um, that's just, I'm just scratching the surface, okay? There's a whole lot more to this than just those five things that I gave you there. And, um, and I would encourage you, by the way, this is all readily available. Um, you can find this. Uh, uh, my notes... I took a class when I was going to call when I was going to um, Multnomah. I took a class from uh, John Wex, and John Wex is is a premier um, uh, teacher of uh, inductive Bible study, which is what we we're just talking about today. And um, and and so I have a lot of information. A lot of them, if you look, you'll see that these are all type. They're upside down for you, but they're all typewritten notes from him that were mimeographed. Clear back when, I won't say. So anyway, but this stuff is timeless, okay? Anyway, it's time, it's time to go, so let me pray. And uh, Father, Lord, um, thank you, Lord, for, thank you for being with us today, Lord. You've said that where, Jesus, you've said that where two or more of us are gathered in your name. Here we are, all of us gathered in your name, Lord, that you are among us, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, that, that, uh, that you will be able to take uh, some of the things, Lord, today that we've talked about and that you would be able to um, bring them into, into um, all of us believers, Lord, and that you'd be, able to, um, you'd be able to just simply grow us, Lord, and strengthen our desire to want to know more about you, Lord, and want to know more about studying your word and understanding your word like those Bereans did back in the book of Acts, Lord. And I pray that, um, that you would do that, Lord. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Yes.